Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Good morning, Team North. It's good to be back serving you uh, in this way in the preaching of the word. I'm very grateful to have had a little bit of a break and hopefully you were blessed by the the, the people who uh, served us with the word. So we're looking at Psalm 146 today. I'm going to talk to you from that and want to read it to you. So verse one says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in the son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, that uh, you and your wisdom and kindness have given it to us. And I pray, Father, that we would be able to rightly interpret your word today, to listen to it, to come under it, and to seek to obey it at all times. I pray for deep encouragement, Lord, to come to our hearts from what is here. And I pray, Father, that you would be glorified through the opening of my mouth as I seek to love my brothers and sisters. Thank you for our church, Lord, even though we are apart. We pray that you would help us to think creatively of how to keep loving one another and sticking close together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 146. Now, through our life, we make commitments. This is one of the things that people do. We commit to diets. We commit to sports teams. I don't know if, how you feel, but I'm really glad to see the Raptors back on TV, and we commit to churches, we commit to grocery stores, that we like a certain vibe in the store, and so we're like, I'm going to go to that one, and I'm not going to go to this one. We make commitments to relationships, but here's the thing about commitment. When we make a commitment, we want to make sure that we are doing it for the right reasons. We just want to make a commitment and not think about it. We want to make sure that we have a good reason for what we are doing. The 90s R&B group, Jagged Edge, from my 90s R&B head, heads, you probably remember them. They have a song, a, a song called Let's Get Married. And here's one of the lyrics in the song. It says, meet me in the altar in your white dress. So this is the, the man saying to the woman, come, come, let's get married. And here's his logic. We ain't getting no younger. We might as well do it. 
Now, if I am doing a premarital counseling session with Kim and we say, why do you want to get married right now? And the guy says, well, we're not getting any younger. That session is going to come to an end very quickly. That is not a good reason to make a, a, that big of a commitment that we're not getting any younger. See, we want to make commitments for the right and good Reasons. The writer in our text today makes a commitment with his life. Look at verse one. He says, praise the Lord. So there's this call to the whole congregation to praise God. Then he says, praise the Lord, oh my soul. So now he starts talking to himself. First he calls the congregation, then he calls his own soul. He says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Four times the word praise is used. And this is not just one time praise. And it's not just praise when everything is gravy, when everything is good. This is a praising God at all times. Look at verse two. As long as I live, he says, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. The praise that the psalmist, the writer makes, this, this commitment to praise is the commitment that we are to make. And we are to make this commitment to praise God no matter the season, no matter the situation. We're going to praise God. We praise God in our singing. We praise God in our talking. I can praise God by the way I talk about him. And yes, singing is what comes to our minds, but there's also the way I talk about God. I also can praise God by my living. That my life is an act of worship to the Lord. See, as long as we have life, as long as we have life that is given to us by God, we are to use that life to give him the praise he deserves. Let me say it again. We use the life that God has given us to give God the praise that he is deserving of in our singing, in our living, and in our talking. And through Verses 3 to 10, we're going to see why. This, these verses are going to show us why the, the writer commits to praising God. And we're going to see that God is worthy of it. Look at verse 3. It says, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. This, this, this command, this warning that we get right away says, it says that we are not to trust in princes. Now, princes, what it's speaking of is people who are powerful people who are influential, people who can get things done. And we're, we're given two reasons why we are not to trust in princes. Verse three again, in whom there is no salvation. There's the first reason, that people can't save us. That influential person, that powerful person, they can, actually can't save you from death. And then here's the other reason, verse four. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perished. There's this, the second reason is people die. We are not to trust in those who can't save us and people die. And there's a wordplay going on here in the original language that we actually don't see in the English. But it could actually read like this. Do not rely on men of dust who return to dust. It's the same word being used. Do not rely on men of dust who return to dust. This is actually referring back to Genesis 3, 
19. And Genesis 3.19 says, dust you are, and to dust you will return. What we're getting here is this picture of human weakness and frailty. Why would I put my trust in someone who could be gone in a moment like that? Just here one moment, gone the next. Why? It makes no sense to do that. Verse 4 says, on that very day, when he, di- when he dies, his plans perish. All that he was thinking about doing, all that they, the person was thinking of doing, planning to do, it ends. It stops. This picture of human weakness is actually contrasted with the power of God and the eternality of God. See, we commit to praising God because he is our only hope. We commit to praising God because he is our only hope. Hope, verse 5 says, blessed. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. See, the smooth kneeling politician is not our hope, or it can't save us. The popular sociologists with their theories on how to fix the troubles in the world can't save us. The who can't save us. The God is the only one who can save us. He is our only hope. And that is why we are to put all of our confidence, all of our hope in him. Notice that he is referred to as the God of Jacob. This is probably referring to Jacob in Genesis, who God helps, though he's deserving of no help. When you go and read that guy's story, he's, he's, he's a trickster. He's, he's just a guy you cannot trust. He's in, he deserves no help. And yet God helps him. That makes me think of you and me. We do things all the time, all the time, that it should make it so that God does not help us. We still sin. We we treat one another in terrible ways. And God should back off of us, but he doesn't. He still helps us. Every day we wake up to new mercies and new grace. Even now we're receiving help from God. And all we have to do is stop, reflect, and then we actually see it, and then we appreciate it. And you know what it does? It causes us to give God the praise that he truly deserves. The person who hopes in the Lord, the text says, is blessed. Did you see it? Verse 5. Blessed is he. that You could say happy is he whose, ho- whose help is the God of Jacob. And maybe you're like, why? Why are they blessed? Verse 6 who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. The person who trusts in the Lord, they're blessed because the the one who made it all is their help. The creator of the universe, the one who's all powerful is on their side. And he will use the power that he used to, to make everything out of nothing. He will use that power to meet our deepest needs. Reminded of God's power but we're also reminded of God's faithfulness. Verse six says that he he keeps faith forever. If you're reading the CSB, it says that he remains faithful. God will never let us down. And and sometimes we just got to let that kind of sink in on us and think deeply on it. God will never let us down. Psalm 118, verse 8 to 9 says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. You hear, see that? 
than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. There's that word again, dust. God will never let us down. People let us down all the time. You're on a flight, you get to your destination, and they've lost your luggage. You're in Miami, and your luggage is in Jamaica. The the, the delivery man promises that it's going to come in two days, and it's a month, and you're still waiting for that thing to show up on your front porch. People let us down all the time, but not God. He will never let us down. He is forever faithful, as my boys would say. And because God is faithful, I want us to take a moment right now and we're going to just sing about that. And we're going to have a song sung over us. And as this is being sung by Sabrina, I want you to just let this song minister to your heart and really listen and think deeply on the faithfulness of God to you in the past, now, and God's promise to be faithful to us in the future.
And I want to say right now to the non-Christian, putting your hope in God will not be in vain. It will not be in vain. No one will love you like God. No one will stay committed to you like God. And when you believe the gospel that Jesus Christ came and lived and died in our place because of the way we sinned against God and walked away from him in order to bring us back into a relationship with God and to restore our broken relationships with one another, when you believe these things, you enter into this relationship with God. And a relationship with God means transformation and change. A relationship with God means the meeting of our deepest needs and our longings. You putting your hope in God will not be in vain. God is faithful. And we are going to see it in verses 7 to 9. It says, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner. The Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. We praise God because he's our only hope, but we also praise God because he meets our needs. We commit to doing it because he meets our needs. The, the way we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, the, the psalmist here celebrates the, the faithful acts of God. These are just, the, these are just the, the regular things that God does for his people. The first few refer to justice. He says that he gives justice to the oppressed. He feeds the hungry. He sets the prisoner free. Don't miss the verbs here. God does not ignore the wrong things that go on in the world and our culture. Justice, food, and freedom, these are all things that God can provide. And we are to pray that God would provide these things for those who need it. Justice, food, and freedom. And as we pray, we don't just pray and then back off of it. We pray and then we step out and do our part, all that we can, to bring and meet these needs for the people in our lives and around us who have them. I talk about this ministry a lot, the community care ministry in our church, because it's very important to us as a church. And our community care ministry is designed for this. This is the heart behind it. We want to be involved in mercy and justice in our city. We want to feed those who are hungry and struggling. And we want to help lead people into into freedom by introducing them to Jesus Christ. The next two deal with physical needs. It says that, that God, God opens the eyes of the blind. The blind here refer, refers to physical and spiritual blindness. And what this tells us is that God is a healer. God is a healer. And there's two habits that we are to develop in our lives, regular habits we should develop. The first one is thanking God for healing us. There was a spiritual blindness that we had, but then God in his grace opened our eyes to the gospel, opened our eyes, showing us ourselves and healed us so that now, as the Bible says, we can see. I can see myself clearly. I can see God clearly. I can see where the world is headed clearly, that God is going to make all things new. So we thank God for healing us. But then also we are to ask God to heal those in our lives who need it, who need physical healing and spiritual 
healing, praying and asking God to do the thing that only he can do. Then it says that he lifts up those who are bowed down. And this speaks about people. It's speaking about people who are discouraged, people who are struggling with weakness. And I want to say, if you are discouraged today, if you are struggling with weakness, then the the word to you from the Lord is to go to the word, is to go to the word of God. It's there that our mind is renewed. When I'm discouraged, I need to open the word and have my mind renewed, have my, my thinking set right so I can think the right way about myself, so I can think the right way about God, so I can think the right way about my situation. Psalm 119 verses 103 says that the word is sweeter, sweeter, couldn't say the word, sweeter than honey to my Mouth. The word of God is sweet because it takes me, when I'm, ba- when I'm bowed down, when I'm discouraged, it lifts me up. It gives me the right perspective. It renews my mind. Then it says that the Lord loves the righteous. Now, the righteous person in the psalm is the person who is trusting God to meet their needs. And Christians, in, in the New Testament, we're called righteous, but it's not because of our righteousness. It's not because we have lived these perfect lives. It's not that at all. It's because of Jesus Christ. It's his righteous life. That's why we're called righteous. See, when we think about righteousness, it should actually make us humble when we think about the righteousness of Christ because we know that we, we can't live the way that he lived. See, when we repented of our sin, all of us have sinned. The Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And when we repented of our sin and believed the gospel that Jesus died in my place, that Jesus lived in my place, then his perfect righteousness was given to me. And my bad record was given to him. His righteousness was put into our bank account and our bad record was put into his. And now when God looks at us, he looks at us with a heart of love and care. Because when he sees us, he sees his son. My grandma used to always say that we are covered by his blood. And that's what, when God looks, he sees his son. He sees us and that's why he loves us in Christ. We are deeply loved by God. And then we're told that God watches over the sojourner, that he upholds the widow and the fatherless. In this culture, these were people who, were, who had the hardest life. They struggled because they had nothing. The, the, the sojourner was the foreigner, the, people, the person who, is, who isn't in the land all by themselves with no family. The widow all by themselves, the fatherless, the parent has walked away. They had nothing. And it says here, though, they had God, that God looked out for them. See, what God is doing here is that he's showing us his heart. He's showing us the heart of compassion that he has for the weak and for the vulnerable. And God shows us his heart in order to stir our heart. This is the heart that we should have. We should be like our father. And we are to care for the weak and the vulnerable that is around us. Do you know that a heart of compassion and care for the weak and the vulnerable is part of what it means to have true faith? 
That if you care nothing about the poor, that the, the, those who are struggling, those who are weak, that if you see them and then it just doesn't matter to you, that you should actually check if your heart's truly been changed. James 1 says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. The church of God is to be a people who care deeply for the weak and the vulnerable. Then it says, the way of the wicked, Say it, see it there in verse nine, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. He brings to ruin. The verb here means to, to be bent crooked. It's to be bent crooked. And in the context here, the wicked in the context of, verse, of, of, of Psalm 146 are, are people who trust in themselves. That's who the wicked are. People who trust themselves to meet their own needs or they go to someone else other than God. And it says that God bends their wickedness so that it, 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 make, it meets no success. And God is still doing that today. There is, there is lots of wickedness going on in our world. I was talking to Shay and Natalie this week, and they're just telling me some of the things that are going on in the news because I sometimes don't read the news. And it just, it's wicked, some of the things that are happening. It's sad when you see the brokenness of humanity. But we need to all know that as we see the wickedness on, on our news feeds, on our phones, whatever it is that we're looking at, we need to know that God is diverting that wickedness so that it fulfills his ultimate purposes. You, and we, that's how we've got it. Sometimes like I can read the news and it just it, it makes me anxious because I see wickedness, but I need, we need to remember the sovereignty of God, who is actually in control, which the text is going to talk about in a minute. And remember that God is using all of that so that it fulfills his ultimate purposes. And if you want a reminder that this is true, just think about the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ was one of the greatest acts of wickedness. It was the greatest act of wickedness and evil in the world. But God used that wickedness to save us from sin and eternal punishment, to give us new life in Christ. And what we are to know from this is that there's nothing that can stop the plan of God. Nothing that can stop what God is doing in the world, no matter how evil and wicked the days are. And we should never forget that wickedness and evil will be punished. God will make it right. See, when we take in verses 7 to 9, we can see why the writer commits to giving God the praise he deserves. But there's one other reason. Look at verse 10. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. We praise, we commit to praising God because he's our only hope. We permit, commit to praising God because he meets our needs, but we also do it because he's our reigning king. God is our reigning king. It says that he will reign forever. God is on his throne right now, reigning forever. See, God is not like the prime minister or the president who has to campaign for votes, who has to beg people to, to re-elect them and they, they're promising they're going to do a better job the next time. God never has to do that. He's in charge now and he will be forever. This verse could be translated, 
Zion, your God, always reigns now and forever. We could do it like this. T North, your God always reigns now and forever. It was true today. It was written and it's true today. And verses like this should bless you. It should make you, it blesses me, and it should bless you. Because even in these strange days that we're in, a verse like this tells us that we're not on a boat without a captain, that we're not on some sinking ship. God is guiding us. Even if where we are right now feels uncomfortable, even if where we are right now doesn't make sense to us, God is guiding us. And so that should make it so that we don't lose hope, so that we don't stop trusting. Because one day, one day, it will all make sense. In J.I. Packer's book, there's a chapter called God the Wise. In his book, Knowing God, there's a chapter called God the Wise. You should just read it. It just reminds you of the wisdom of God. That God is wise, that he knows what he's doing, that one day we, it will all make sense to us and we will see his perfect wisdom. The psalm ends where it started. Verse 10 says, praise the Lord. Remember, he started by saying, everybody praise God with me. Then he tells his own soul to praise God. Then he ends with everybody again, praise God with me. The writer commits to this and he wants us to commit to it as well. And we should see from the text, you should see from Psalm 146 that we have good reason for doing it. We use the life that God has given us to give him the praise he deserves. Say it with me. We use the life, I want you to say it with me, wherever you are. We use the life God has given us to give him the praise he deserves. And we can be confident, confident that we will one day see all the goodness of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Psalm 146. Lord, in your wisdom and your kindness, you put it here for us. You knew that we would need it today. And I pray, Lord God, that it would have been a blessing for our church to sit under the word and to hear what you have to say to us from it. I pray, Lord God, that we would have heard you. And I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would help us to walk and live a life of praise in our singing, our living, and our talking. All for your glory, because you are worthy of praise. Help us, Lord God, not to lose hope. Help us, Father, to continue to trust in your goodness and in your wisdom. You are leading us. You are guiding us. You are our reigning king. Help us to be surrendered to your good plan and your purposes at all times and to give you praise and glory because you deserve it. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ who has made it possible for us to even be in this spot, that we believe the gospel, that when your word is open, we actually want to pay attention to it. All of this is because of Jesus and the spirit who is living in us. We thank you for all of it, Lord God. It's your good plan. Help us to trust you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.